Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Thanks for joining us. So it's the, the holiday season, um, which means lots of things. One, um, you're going to hear, if you're listening to this podcast, the, the sounds of busy elves scurrying about, because we're recording this one live from the North Pole in, in Santa's <laughs> workshop. That or our new puppy's just out of control, and, and, and we're just going with it. And there's no way to restrain her. Yeah, so... Um, this is an interesting time of year. First of all, in, in recent years, I would just point out that um, I made a real effort to sort of get into the holiday spirit. Yeah, and, you have. And, and have managed to, um, you know, going on for several years now, just because I feel like psychologically by the end of the year, I need a break, especially mm-hmm. during these times. But you, you have the last semester of the calendar year and it's the, you know, the, the fall grind and all of that. So I've... I've personally been enjoying the holidays a lot and I've been reflecting on them quite a bit and um, one of the things that I, I think is sort of interesting about this time of year is lots of people take the opportunity to, to sort of reflect on what they have and how good life is and they do it in the, the darndest possible way. Um, they spend more than they should, right? Consumerism's out of control. I mean, Black Friday stuff is just insane. Yeah. Um, they imagine what it would be like, how wonderful it would be if they could have everything they wanted. They tell children, ooh, you're going to have everything that you want. It's, it's a, a magical time. Um, you know, we imagine what it would be like if magic were real. And, um, and, you know, woodland creatures could talk and so forth. I mean... The, this is just a horrible way to, <laughs> but it's to, also delightful to celebrate life. Um, yeah, but it is delightful. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to decompress, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's a terrible way to sort of take stock of one's blessings. Maybe we do yeah. that with Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving happens and we say, okay, we're sure thankful. We eat ourselves into a coma. And then from then on, it's... Consumerism. Yeah, just gross. Non-stop. <laughs> gross consumerism. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that maybe the, the two points are distinct. Like, on the one hand, there's the consumerism, and on the other hand, there's all the, the magical stories and the magical movies and books and stuff. That, and that might be a little bit of warranted escapism at the end of the year. We've been working all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's fun to pretend. Um Recently, I take time every year to pretend that the stuff that I wrote in my dissertation is all true and stuff that I still believe. Um, you're, you're sufficiently close to yours that you probably believe most of it. Uh, um, I don't know. I try not to think about it. Yeah, and your 10 million downloads and, and so forth. But yeah, mine um, intellectually, you know, it's been a lifetime of chipping away at, at all the little bits. Um, well, I think that's that's kind of what living a philosophical life is, is re- you know, coming to learn more and more that you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. All right. So um, this week we're talking about um, 
holiday movies in particular. So we did a, a Christmas episode some years back, and, and it continues to be the most popular <laughs> podcast episode. The um, whole time. Yeah, just you know, in terms of sheer number of, of downloads, <laughs> um, if you manage to ignore other podcasts and the number of downloads they got. And the other episodes of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is about, you know, I used to think that it was that we released it on um, Christmas Eve and that people were just too busy to listen, but, um, you know, we've, we've posted on the webpage several times and I think people just think, oh, there's a, a Christmas episode. <laughs> I'll be damned if I'm going to listen to that. So, um, in the spirit of that, we thought, did you hear that? That was An a elf. whole slew of elves <laughs> running by. Um, we, we have a, a new um, puppy this year, and I'll, I'm sure that that conjures up images of cute little dogs, right? But ours is giant. It's you know, 40 pounds and halfway grown, and yeah. it's this, this behemoth that, that runs through our house. <laughs> golden doodle. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we like her, and she's great. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, we thought we'd, we'd take another stab at this and focus on um, on movies rather than the, the metaphysics of Santa Claus and mm. and all of those things. Mm. So, holiday movies. Um. So we were talking about, in advance of this, what makes something a Christmas movie? Yeah, so the, the necessary and sufficient conditions type approach. Um, I don't know that I have wanna, any of those worked out. If we want to go <laughs> analytic. But, well, there, there's certain features, right? So what mm-hmm. what are you thinking? Well, you were, maybe you could start by talking about what Christmas movies aren't, right? You you had some debate in mind. Oh, the, the, the Die Hard um, debate. Yeah, I, I was going to um, sort of weave that into to, to the what they are discussion. But since we're, um, there goes the elf. Since we're on to that, why not? So yeah, let's let's just put it out there right away. Die Hard is not a freaking Christmas movie. Um, so what is it? What does it have that that would make someone say it's a Christmas movie? Well, it happens, you know, in L.A. at um, around Christmas time or during Christmas time. Um, there's a tree, big tree. It's decorated. Occasionally, someone says Merry Christmas. And a, a couple of Christmas songs um, for mm-hmm. ironic effect, mm-hmm. right? I, mm-hmm. the, the plot itself has nothing to do with Christmas. It doesn't make any of the, the points that Christmas movies tend to make. Um, it's not about Christmas. It's just happening at Christmas, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, I, if I understand, and initially it um, wasn't supposed to take place during Christmas, but since they ended up filming it in, in this building um, at Christmas time, they just wove that in, right? They, mm. The Christmas aspects are an afterthought. So, you know, you hear people say, oh, Die Hard's the greatest of all Christmas movies. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a Christmas movie at all. But let's say for the sake of argument that it were a Christmas movie. I don't think it's very good. Um, I'm probably going to get in some trouble here. It's just an action movie. I'm going to give it, you know, as, as action movies go, it's a B plus. It's not the matrix. It's not, it's not interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's Bruce Willis and he's stuck in the ducks and, um, ducks, the duct work of, of this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's a giant duck. It's the Christmas duck. And now I'm, now I'm rethinking this. Maybe it is a Christmas movie because I forgot about the Christmas duck. <laughs> he's, he's stuck in the, in the duct work of this building 
<laughs> and and there's you know some some bad guys and um, you know some of them are from Harry Potter you know that that kind of makes it a Alan Rickman's in it oh. um, a, a little more Christmassy but um, <laughs> you know but Harry Potter hadn't happened yet see this all this whole discussion is going to have to kind of be between you and our listeners who has, have seen die, any of the Die Hard movies or the original Die Hard movie or whatever even a single time since the 1980s because mm-hmm. I'm just it's an open possibility to me that there are ducks. Yeah, well, there's the first one, then there's there's the, the second one, Die Hard with a Vengeance comes along, and then there's um, the one that didn't make any money that I think they called, you know, Die Hard with a tax write-off for the investors. And, mm. you know, it's... Anyway, I'm not a big fan, but, but putting that aside, so <laughs> if it were a good movie and it were a good Christmas movie, then, then we'd be in the conversation. But given that that it's not a good movie, it's certainly not going to be the best Christmas movie ever. And going back to the original point, I don't think it, it qualifies as a Christmas movie. There's okay. there's there's nothing that's sort of essentially, you know, it's it, Christmas. It's it's just a lot of um, a lot of window dressing, like garland and stuff. Yeah, it's like like garland, um, you know. But not Christmas garland. Jingle bells. No, not jingle bells. It's 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 um, action movie garland, which is a, a whole different kind grenades. of garland. Yeah, yeah. It's got Christmas grenades. <laughs> they didn't even paint the grenades red and green. I mean, some of them came green because that's the color of grenades. But uh, okay. Yeah. Bad movie. Well, so what does unite Christmas movies? We've got all sorts of different kinds of Christmas movies that. You know, so one thing that, that they're not, right? I mean, so certainly, like, some movies contain Christian themes. Because you might think, oh, it's Christmas, so it's, you know, Christian. Uh, I, I, myself... Christmian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, myself, celebrate Christmas, and I'm not a Christian. <coughs> so, um, I expected you to say, you're not. You're not? <laughs> I, I was busy coughing at, at that exact moment. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so I think Christmas is a you know. Why Christmas... did you expect me to say that? That doesn't <laughs> no, seem that like just something. Seems like you. I would have said no. Uh, so I mean, Christmas I think is 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 a cultural tradition as well as a religious tradition, and I think that's borne out in movies because in at least most Christmas movies, there's no very little mention made of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe less than a quarter of the movies. Yeah, there's some. There may be. There's there's always a decent amount of singing Christmas carols that involve mentions of Christ and the but but the storylines usually have nothing to do with Christ yeah. and so that kind of gets Silent you to reflect night, like what holy smokes right that one's what I think <laughs> about Christ and... it gets you to think about like what um if all if our Christmas movies routinely don't have any don't have religious themes then they might be kind of instructive as to what we actually take Christmas to be about yeah and this this probably isn't going to be a, a universal trait but um, so maybe we're not going to get necessary and sufficient conditions, and we should be going for something like family you know, resemblance, and family resemblance. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, so that's that instructive thing, right? So what is that? That's a how one best ought to live. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think I think it it is the case that at Christmas we take some time to slow down. Hopefully, I mean, you know, actually, I as I say that, I I think I'm coming from a kind of privileged position to be able to say that and I can remember a time in my life where that wasn't quite as true although it was still true but I, I you know I remember when you know before I went into before I went to grad school and got into academia and all this I would 
always have a job at Christmas and, um, you know, working retail or waiting tables or something, and it would really speed up at Christmas. So I was starting to say that things slowed down and we paused to reflect on what's really fundamentally meaningful for us or Mm -hmm. what we we take to be of of value, of real value in our lives. But uh, the truth is some of us can do that. Well, maybe maybe to the extent that that's a theme of Christmas movies, it's all about doing that at least, right? Yeah, there. that that's but, kind of the idea, what we picture when we hope for an ideal Christmas or we take some time to, um, even if we just have a couple hours to watch a Christmas movie and mm-hmm. slow down during that time and or live vicariously through people who can slow down. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the common theme would also be the sort of the real meaning of Christmas, right? Contrary uh-huh. to the yeah, yeah. my glib remarks yeah. at the beginning. So the, the yeah. paradigm of that is a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Where he gets mm-hmm. the lousy tree and then Linus does the speech about, um, you know, the, what Christmas really means. And but that is an instance where they do mention Christianity. They, they do, right. but they, they spend considerably more time in a Charlie Brown Christmas railing against consumerism. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know nearly an hour of boy Christmas is ugly and shiny and people are you know, the hustle and bustle and they're spending too much and they only care about glittery things. You know, you got that other Christmas special on right after it where they sing silver and gold. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um from around the same era. Um you know, and and then at the end Charlie Brown picks out the, the tree that's kind of, you know, most like him, sort of weak and hunched over and falling apart and, <laughs> um, and and not loved by the others. And then Linus says, well, you, you picked a good tree. That's, you know, you've got the spirit of Christmas. Then they tell the, the story of the wise men and yeah. and all of that. And so, um, sorry to, to cut you off, but just to say that, you know, not very much of that's the story of Christ. It's the, it's the don't be a gross c- consumer and boy, Christmas has gotten ugly message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that I remember from my childhood, one, um, one of my most, one of the memories that stands out, I guess, the most is one year when we, you know, we're a very Christmassy family growing up, um, but we, we'd go get a fresh cut tree every year um, for a while, and eventually we started buying our, an artificial tree for the reason that every, I came from a, family with five kids and every one of the kids wanted to be the one that found the tree and so unsurprisingly we'd always fight about it (laughs) and so and you know we it was supposed to be this joyful event and we'd go home people angry and crying and things and then you know we'd have a tree but people were ticked off so so one year we almost didn't get a tree at all um but but we pushed and pushed and pushed or I did I think and, and so we ended up getting a Charlie Brown style tree that was, you know, the one, the only ones left on the lawn uh-huh. and it was all. So you guys were all there arguing for several hours while all the good trees were being. No, we up. didn't even go. Oh, you didn't uh, go. We didn't even go. And then you got. Because my mom was just like, not this year, folks. Uh-huh. If I'm remembering this correctly. Sorry, mom. This is totally fabricated, but <laughs> confabulated. But, uh, but we, fi- we, so we went and got one of the only ones left and it was kind of. Mm-hmm. But I remember just stare, just lying on the couch, staring at that tree, and feeling very Christmassy because it is, it is true that like what I what we what we were threatened by that year is not having a tree at all, and then I really appreciated what I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good Christmas movie's worth of um, <laughs> messages there. We did it very differently, right? So in our family, um, 
we didn't, maybe my parents had this insight that it would be bad or something, or maybe just the way it worked out. But typically what happened is my dad would come home a day or two before Christmas from work and on his way home, he'd pick up the tree and then they would come in with much fanfare and say, the tree is here. Um, And that was, that was when I was very young. Mm -hmm. And then we bought this shimmery blue thing made of aluminum. (laughs) Of course you did. Um, It was the 60s and the 70s, right? So that was fun in the 60s because it looked 60s and mod. And then Uh in the 70s, it it was really cool because, you know, the acid kicked in. um, (laughs) My parents were um, wilder, as you know, in the 70s than they were in the 60s. Uh Um, Yeah, so, you know, then we would just put up that thing and then Uh we would do the uh decorations. uh Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't have memories of going to the lots to find the tree or going, driving out to the woods to cut one down. Yeah. Well, so those kind those kinds of stories, you get these, you know, the Charlie Brown story and similar experiences in our lives. You get these experiences about what Christmas shouldn't be, or these stories about where the moral is, what Christmas shouldn't be, mm-hmm. uh, gross consumerism and so on. But I think a lot of the, the, the stories are about what Christmas should be. And that, mm-hmm. I think that, unites them even when their content is quite different so think about um you know miracle on 34th street and it's a wonderful life and i'm just picking a, a scattering here <laughs> so just to highlight how the the themes are very, or the, not the themes but the the content the the pl- major plot points are very different um elf mm-hmm. you know the santa claus these right, different the, movies the grinch cartoon and yeah, they have they have very different, you know, things going on. But what seems to unify them by the end is some, you know, you go through trials, the, the characters go through trials, but they come at the end to recognize what's really meaningful and what they should really care about, mm-hmm. which is almost always something like family, you know, um, one that it's a wonderful life highlights is just the the value of like continued existence and having made it for another year you yeah, know? yeah um and and have and and more than that like having made the two combined like having made it another year with your loved ones and and so on yeah yeah i mean so you know elf is decorated with all the the will ferrell stick and you know um crap balls and stuff and it's great um but that's a good example of what you're talking about right at the end it's um mm-hmm. the dad james Conn's character um Learns a valuable lesson. He mm-hmm. quits his job. You know, he storms out and says, "No, my kids are more important to me." Bam! You know, message of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about a one kind of exception to that, which is maybe why we go family resemblance and not necessarily in sufficient conditions. Um, and that'd be a Christmas story, which is yeah, yeah. some sense of a, a right. paradigm case of a Christmas thing. <laughs> and I think that the right thing to say um, about that is um, that. The other sort of broad category of Christmas story is taking the nostalgic look. Yeah, like what Christmas was like when when X group was a kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're yeah. seeing tons of stuff now about the 80s and 90s. And then, so I was in the 60s and it seemed like, you know, in the in the 80s, they were doing lots of looks at the 60s, 50s, and 40s, right? They mm-hmm. Happy Days type nostalgia. And, um, so, yeah, so a Christmas story is a, a look at the, I think, the late 1940s. It might be 1950 or 51, um, somewhere in there. And, 
you know, at the end, they say, well, that was a nice Christmas after all. The kid got his gun and the, the mom was right <laughs> about shooting his eye out and, and all of that. It's a BB gun. It's, it's, it's barely a squirt gun. Um, but they don't, they're not driving that point home. The, the, the big takeaway from that is here's my nostalgic look back at my childhood. And, and you watch it and you, you kind of remember if you're my age, they, you know, that wasn't that different from growing up in the early 60s. Um, you know, the refrigerators were, were bigger and stuff, but, you know. Different colors. <laughs> different colors. But, but not so much like they were in the 70s, um, where everything you know, became avocado. So you'd look back and say, oh, yeah, look at the long knit caps, you know, that, I mean, my grandmother made those for us. Every kid in our neighborhood had, you know, knit caps that were seven feet long, you know, like elf caps with little balls mm-hmm. of yarn at the end of them. And, you know, people were sticking their tongues on frozen poles. And, um, yeah, many of those things are why I, like, I had kind of mixed feelings about A Christmas Story for a really long time. Because uh, when I was growing up, the themes that we explored at Christmas time through the movies that we watched as a family or whatever always <coughs> like I guess I want to say more wholesome than the, the Christmas story you know just because you've got a lot of people yelling at each other and people swearing and like all like um bullies and the Christmas Santa at the mall was just creepy and then there's the whole leg yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like more, you know, to go back to your point about, you know, um, realism versus kind of a, yeah, you know, imaginary metaphysics in in, uh, in Christmas movies. A Christmas story is a lot more realistic to people's actual lives, where it's not like everything gets sprinkled with pixie dust at Christmas time. You know, the people who are in your family are still the people who are in your family, <laughs> and their personality traits are what their personality traits are, regardless of whether it's Christmas right. time. Right, the dad's a string of f bombs. The little <laughs> kid drops an f bomb and ends up with the soap in his yeah. mouth. There are bullies. You know, you you don't just back <laughs> when I was a kid walk home from school. You dodge people the whole way home, right? And, and yeah. unless you happen to be one of the bullies, but um, the aunt gives jammies that the kids hates, and like, and and then there's the, the like the whiny voice of the little brother. Like most of the themes that when I think about Christmas story, which I really like now, but most of the themes that come up, I think that's not Christmassy at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going to the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are things that really happen at Christmas time. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That the, that the dog might eat the turkeys. The... I feel like the payoff at the end, though, uh, where, if you even want to call it a payoff, where the family's kind of happy being together and it, whatever, it's not quite large enough to make it. Because think about all the Hallmark holiday movies. I don't know if you've seen any of those. I, I haven't, but I, I understand <laughs> they're out there. <laughs> the, the, you know every single one of them has the same plot they're just feel-good generators about christmas where you can you would feel disappointed actually if a hallmark holiday movie didn't end with a big touchy-feely moment where everybody understood the fundamental value and i i i want to i'm going to say the fundamental value of christmas but that's not really what i mean i mean i think christmas is the time this this time at the end of the year You've, you've made it through another calendar year and it's the time to reflect on the fundamental value of life. And, you know, so, so people were celebrating this holiday before Christianity even came along in different forms. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, it, and the Hallmark things, to the best of my understanding, they don't, 
celebrate life exactly, you know, they, they celebrate Christmas nominally, but yet they all make big life changing decisions. Yeah. They, they leave the corporate job. Well, the they're all doing it nominally and, celebrating Christmas, but that's, yeah, that's, a that's what point. I mean. It's all Gus is, you know, Christmas is so important. I have to have a good Christmas. We have yeah. to make this the best Christmas ever. What if mom's not here this Christmas? You know, what if dad doesn't get home this Christmas? And mm-hmm. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And they quit their jobs. But and then they, they quit their jobs and they get married to someone they met two weeks ago. Or they met in high school. Or they met in high school and, yeah. and re-met. Yeah, but near as I can tell and, and so forth. Um, so an interesting case for me, another one that is a Christmas movie. Uh, speaking of um, not all that um, wholesome. Uh, mm. Bad Santa. Oh, ew, 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 ew. <laughs> Not a Christmas movie. Don't like it. I love it. But I'm, I'm just going to say <laughs> this. Um, in the end, they do the same thing that they do at the, you know, the, the end of Elf, right? That we're, um, Billy Bob's character sort of realizes he loves Thurman Merman. And, you know, he, you know he's, a, he's a morally bankrupt human being that over Christmas finds the meaning of, of a love of another human being. Okay, so so let me backtrack. I'm just going to say, even bad Santa yeah. does the thing that you're talking right, about. Right, right. Yeah, I don't hate that movie, but I find it altogether too unwholesome for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, it always seems like, oh, I'm, like, dirtying myself with this filthy movie at Christmas time. But all those times you made us watch it on your birthday in July, it just seemed out of place. <laughs> Which I never did, of course. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I do. Like I, there's some things that I like about that movie, but mostly I think it's gross. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's too crass for you, yeah. right? It's, you, you want to be in your imaginary space. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll point out that I haven't watched it in a couple of years, and I used to watch it several times a year because I've been trying to do happier Christmas times, and it, it doesn't, doesn't quite jibe with that identity. But that said, I'm, I'm always sort of willing to watch it at any moment and, I, I, I'm and not, who knows I'm not criticizing your like for, for it it's just not it's so in, in conflict with the Christmas themes that I grew up with it just it's jarringly out of place and see in a way it dovetails <laughs> perfectly with um, with my Christmas experience I don't I don't want to go too personal um, let's just say that, you know, we didn't always bother with the eggnog on Christmas Eve around my house. <laughs> that seemed like it was just going to get in the way of whatever liquid train was <laughs> barreling through our living room. Um, you know, nary a Christmas that there wasn't, um, you know, just some kind of uh, alcohol-induced um, ugliness and so forth. So, you know, so I, I watch, um, you know, Bad Santa with a nostalgic... <laughs> Sort of, sort of high. Um, okay, yeah, so what do, what do we have now? So we've got this sort of value of life, take it easy set of themes, and Christmas is the, the focal point of that. Um, we've got the, um, you know, Christmas as the subject, right? So the thing that distinguishes, say, a Christmas story, which isn't, you know, um, for most intents and purposes, making a point about the value of Christmas, but rather just taking a nostalgic look from um, Die Hard. Is Die Hard has Christmas in the background. A Christmas story has Christmas as the object, right? So so it's not as, as message heavy as, say, Elf or Rudolph or 
you know, um, the Santa Claus or any of, of those movies, and certainly not as message heavy as It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 in some sense, takes Christmas as an object in the way that, that Die Hard, I think, fails to. Yeah, that's right. All right, so our, our final topic here is the question, what is the most philosophical of the Christmas movies? And um, we could we could hash this out, but we did some interviews. So we, we have um, some of my students to answer that question for us. Um, I would just like to assert that it, you know, it's, it's either Elf or Bad Santa, but um, I'm not willing to argue for it after the last segment. So I, I think we'll, um, should we just go to the students? Let's do it. Hi, I'm Jordan Simmons. I'm a Weber State student, um, and I'm going to be explaining why I think It's a Wonderful Life is, is the best holiday movie. Um, I think It's a, it's a Wonderful Life um, views how we understand meaning, uh, especially through the main character's life, uh, when, when he's contemplating suicide. Um, and I, th- I think this is a very contemporary issue because I, I think, especially in a, a, the post-pandemic world, uh, there, there's a lot more mental illness in the world and a lot of people are struggling with uh, lots of degrees of depression. I, I think that um, this movie tackles it in such a way that we can take some of the lessons that, that come up in It's a Wonderful Life. I think especially in the sense where um, considering uh, the, the meaningfulness of life, I think for for the main character, he's really considering, like, does he have a lasting or meaningful impact on the life that he's living and, and the, the people that he's around? And it, it is kind of a fact of the matter, as, as his angel Clarence uh, points out, that he has had, like, a lasting impact. And even though this isn't enough to really, like, completely pull him to the other side, um, he's, he, he's shown then a world where he wouldn't exist and that at least according to him and some of the values like shown up in the movie, that this is a world that is uh, quantitatively like worse um, in, in, in a sense where um, everyone around has like lost something and that like Potter is the, the, the antagonist here is uh, kind of taken over the town and is, you know, it, it, it's just a much bleaker reality in one where he doesn't exist. And I think there's an interesting facet here that uh, there's an exploration of um, the main character's character in, in the sense that one is it's a pursuit of trying to find meaning, but also like how can he become or like, like really become who like to match the the actions that he has committed in the past that he's not exactly realizing, I think, in that point. Um, and, and so most of the movie is him kind of exploring, like, in, in a sense, like, becoming who you are, right? And, the, like, there, there's a mismatch for him from what he's experiencing or taking from his life um, and the actual fact of the matter of the actions that he's committed. And there's a, a bit of a growing pain for, for him to realize that, one, there's the, maybe this metaphysical point where um, in a reality where he doesn't exist, like, that's, one, not the reality that is possible because he does exist, um, but also there's like the ethical point that even in that reality, um, that one kind of sucks, right? In, in, in the sense that um, like every, everyone's lives are a, a bit worse off. And if he can kind of maximize being himself and, and being exactly who he has been before, um, which does seem to be like a person of, of relatively virtuous character and that it, it is, uh, I think, uh, maybe more expressing a virtue of care, um, then that is like a better life lived, right? And uh, I think it, it's really grappling with these ideas of like what are the outcomes of our ethical decisions versus um, what are the um, like the implications of doing things in a good way um, without necessarily realizing they're good. And I think for for the main character there, it was realizing that connection between that he's doing the right thing and now he just has to kind of realize and recognize that without changing 
maybe necessary the motivation because he, he's kind of emphasizing what a good moral character is by doing the right thing without even without even necessarily trying to. And I think that's the, the whole point in, in virtue ethics, especially about habituation. But I think that's one of the, the coolest points of, of this movie. My name is Aiden Israelson, and I think the most philosophical Christmas movie is Frosty the Snowman because it begs great questions about the morality and ethics behind creating life, and it also brings up questions about metaphysics in the sense of what would be creating him to an extent. My name is Christian, and I think the most philosophical Christmas movie is Frosty the Snowman because it discusses uh, watching your life deteriorate, slowly deteriorate around you and dealing with that. Okay, Rach, what are we liking this week? Well, we finished watching the American Crime Story series, and we actually watched them in reverse order. So we finished with The People versus O.J. Simpson, which was great, and I'm like itching for the next installment, um, which I understand is going to be... Um, what's the club? Uh, Studio 54. Studio 54. I was going to say Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Area, Area 54. It's aliens on coke. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, some series of crimes related to that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's promising. All three of these were really good. I, I think the People versus OJ was my least favorite and only because it's maybe the story I was most familiar with. Mm. Um, you know, so when we watched the one um, impeachment uh, about um, Clinton and Lewinsky, there were lots of details of that, those events that I wasn't aware of at the time, even though I was following it in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of knew nothing about the assassination of Gianni Versace. I loved that one. I, I that watched a true favorite. crime one crime show about it, and so I kind of like, I, I knew it was going to happen at the end, kind of, but then I didn't know if I was remembering it right. Uh, so I had a kind of rough sense of what it was, but I still I liked that one the best. Yeah, so the, the People versus OJ was spending a lot of time on the trial, and I remember being glued to the trial when it was on TV. Um, but, but they were all good. Um, so we watched a good documentary the other night, um, The Real Charlie Chaplin. Oh, I loved that. That yeah. was um, very well done. I, I would like to see more from that filmmaker in that style. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a nice collection of uh, bits of footage and some mm. thoughts um, superimposed upon. And um, yeah, just, it just had a... Yeah, it's very stylized. That just a kind of a great vibe to it. Um, okay, thoughts about um, we saw the Eternals. That was mm-hmm. really nice. Another fun Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see Spider Man um, in a couple of hours, so um, that's just come out. And, it should be and fun. we're probably going to put the put press pause on going to the movies after <laughs> after this. Yeah. Of Omicron and things. Guess but... what we got you for Christmas, everybody? Omicron. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And... Um, uh, the House of Gucci, oddly, the reviews were not good. Um, just, we enjoyed it, it. People had all kinds of complaints. I, I left just feeling like it was fantastic. Um, and, um, you know, almost 100% Lady Gaga. I mean, she's just great. Uh, I liked the whole cast, but, but yeah, Lady yeah, Gaga Adam, was Adam Driver was Yeah, well, Jared Leto was yeah, fantastic, too. Yeah, was a great too. cast, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Lady Gaga just kind of above and beyond. Yeah. Just played that role so well. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so you, you didn't see this, but I watched um, The Jungle Cruise the other day. I, I got a cold. You can probably hear that I'm at the end of it. And so um, while I was in bed, I just watched stuff. Um, I think The Jungle Cruise was during my cold. might have been just before. It might have been the thing that gave me the cold. <laughs> at any rate, um, 
I enjoyed it. It, it. it was really awful. And I guess what I was thinking is, um, you know, take the worst of the Indiana Jones movies and imagine that that thing were just, you know, considerably worse than you could imagine. That's I about think, how good the Jungle Cruise was. You said that to me, and I just think all of the Indiana Jones movies, with the recent exception of the most recent one with its stupid alien plot, well, then is, the are one. great. <laughs> I, I thought the first two were great, and I thought the third one was good, and then the, the, the aliens, and then the one where Rocky fights um, the ghost of Drago. Oh. You know, it's just this... this wrong, wrong series. Yeah, I know. It's just this remake business, you know. We, I didn't feel like they, they didn't feel generation. that way to me, but anyway. Okay, um, you watched a little bit of this. I loved The Beatles Get Back. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've always sort of felt like Let It Be was a hack job, right? The documentary just, oh, here's the Beatles rehearsing. Let's, let's show them fighting quite a bit and then show them breaking up. Um, and this is actually recorded, you know, before they recorded um, Abbey Road, which was their their last album, they were writing those songs. There, there was way more interesting things to show mm-hmm. from those sessions. For example, the way that songs would, would develop. You know, Paul McCartney would come in and he would have just a kernel of an idea and he'd be singing something and playing a couple of chords. And he's like, maybe the chords go like this. And he changes them and then he didn't have any words. So he'd go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, a couple weeks Later, there's just one of these amazingly iconic songs. Mm. I shouldn't even say one of them. Yeah, there, there were like 12. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the role that Billy Preston played. So, uh, you know, for um, someone who was a fan of the Beatles growing up, um, it was just, it was nice. It was pleasant. It was cathartic. It made me feel like they might get back together, except <laughs> for some of them are dead. Um, <laughs> you know, half of them are dead. Um, more if you count, um, you know, the, the people that were in the, the early iterations of the group, you know, then they're two thirds dead. Um, okay, what else? Um, curb your enthusiasm. Mm. The the season um, has been really fun. Nothing's happening in it, so it, it it started off. I thought it was great, like um, you know, classic Curb. Um, and then lately, I've enjoyed every episode, but found it a little meandering and flat. <laughs> um, but still, you know, it's it's satisfying some desire I have to see that same joke that's been played out since Seinfeld started over and over and over. <laughs> the, the, the joke about nothing. You know, an irrational guy gets really angry because the shoeshine guy shines left to right, not right to left. And <laughs> then you build a you know, season around that. Um, but I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Okay, Rach. Well, that's a wrap. Episode 63 is in the can, and we thank um, folks for listening. We'll be back um, just after um, Christmas with the final episode of this season, episode 64. Um, In the meantime, this is where I normally say if you want to um, support us, go to our webpage and click on Donate, and you can be a Patreon sponsor. Um, but we don't need your money this time of year. So, um, you know, go out. I was going to say, um, you know, find a good charity and give money to that. But then I forgot. It's Christmas, the spirit of Christmas. Imagine yourself having everything you want <laughs> and then spending everything you have on everything you want. You've got credit cards. Take them out of your pocket. Go right now. Get on Amazon. Go go to the store. Charge them to the max. Um, 
instead of donating to our podcast. And um, you'll you'll be sorry you did. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>